I want to read a scripture verse for you tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Very simple verse says, do not quench the spirit. The Greek word for quench in this verse means to extinguish a flame, to put out a fire. So this verse indirectly compares the Holy Spirit to fire. So if you know something about how fire burns, you know something about how the Spirit of God works. The New International Reader's Version says, Do not put out the Holy Spirit's fire. But of course, you don't have to worry about that if you don't have any fire. So first you've got to have a fire, then you've got to maintain the fire. Hallelujah. Then the Passion Translation says, Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit, which means not only should you not put out the fire, you should let it burn. In other words, you need to remove some of the boundaries you have placed on the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Let him extend into new areas. Let the Spirit of God do things that maybe he's not had your permission to do before. Hallelujah. Amen. So there are other verses, many verses in the Bible where the Spirit of God, the work of the Holy Spirit is compared to fire. John said that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire in Matthew 3.11. You know, we talk about, at least I do, we talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but interesting, John said the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So if you're really baptized with the Holy Spirit, there should be some fire. There should be some fire. Praise God. Then, you know, on the day of Pentecost, they saw tongues of fire. Tongues of, you know, it could have been, it wasn't tongues of marshmallows, you know, tongues of, of saltwater taffy, tongues of uh, bamboo shoot. It was tongues of fire. And it rested on each one of them, Acts 2, 3. Then again, and then uh, later in the epistles, Paul told Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Fan into flame the gift of God. Hallelujah. So that means you've got to keep the fire of God burning. Keep it burning. He didn't say God will keep it burning. He said you do that. Hallelujah, that's your responsibility. Keep that fire burning in you. Fire burns. Fire consumes. In the same way, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. In my colony, probably yours too, at night, there's just this cloud wafting in the air. It's not the glory. It's my neighbors burning their rubbish in the, e in the evening. They're, they're burning their trash every, every night. Some of them, it seems like they're burning tires or something. I don't know. It's a terrible smell. But, you know, every night they're burning the trash. Well, every day there's some trash in your life that needs to be burned too by the power, by the flame of the Holy Ghost. If you don't burn it, it'll, it'll pile up on you, you know, and then you're going to have a lot of flies and a lot of rats. You got to keep that rubbish being burned out. Hallelujah. He burns away the chaff from our lives. There are some Christians, really many Christians, who struggle in certain areas of their life. We, we all have challenges. We all, to be honest, we all have issues. Let me just make this declaration tonight. Nobody's normal. <laughs> Nobody's normal. 
Everybody's got something going on that they've got to deal with, right? We're all a work in progress. Sometimes a lot of folks, you know, if they would just allow the Spirit of God to work in them, to burn in them, they wouldn't need so much counseling. I'm not opposed to counseling, but some people are addicted to counseling. Some people go from counselor to counselor. I mean, long, extended things. Some, some Christians, you know, maybe not here, but some Christians I know of, they even have to go for psychoanalysis and all kinds of clinical therapy. I don't know that you necessarily need that, but I'm telling you the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you just need to get filled and filled again with the Spirit and he can burn all that junk out of your life and burn the the chains and the yoke, hallelujah, is destroyed by the anointing. I tell you, some people who want want counseling for hours, if they pray in tongues for an hour every day, they might find they need less counseling. Honestly, honestly. Hallelujah. For myself, I have to pray in the spirit every morning, you know, for at least some period of time. And I have to do it. Why? To keep my sanity. Because there's all these crazy things going on, crazy people and all kinds of just to keep my sanity. I have to pray in tongues. You know, sometimes I have to pray like, you know, at least 30 minutes. I think my wife has to pray at least an hour because of me. So we all have to pray and stay full of the spirit. Fire provides heat. The Holy Spirit can melt the hardest hearts. Praise God. His presence can warm the coldest places. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's just something that is inviting. There's something good and cozy about a place where the Spirit of God is moving. It just just like, this feels like home to me. Hallelujah. Fire also stands for zeal and passion. And when the fire in us dies down, our desire for the things of God diminishes and our love for Christ cools, you see. Right? So when the f- one, one way we can tell that people are maintaining a spirit-filled life is they love Jesus more. They, they love him ex- to an extreme degree. They, they have an appetite for spiritual things. When people, when, when, when children lose their appetite for food, mothers are concerned. He's not eating. What's going on here? Something's wrong. But when Christians lose their appetite for the word of God or the things of God, when they lose their interest in prayer and worship, then, then, then spiritual parents say, oh, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. That's not the way it should be. The fire, the fire helps us to stay zealous, passionate. Hallelujah. Fire gives light. The fullness of the Holy Spirit brings illumination, spiritual illumination, revelation of the truth. You know, just as reading a book in a dark room is tedious, it's, 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 it's difficult, it's, it's, it's strenuous. So without the light of the Spirit of God, we don't gain revelation. See? We, we struggle to, to make sense of the word. We, we strain to find some meaning or relevance to what we're reading. But when you stay full of the Holy Spirit, in other words, some people need to spend a little more time in prayer. And then we need to spend some time in God's presence, worshiping him at home. And then when they go to the word of God, they would have more light. Suddenly it would come alive to them. It, it would be a message to them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Fire attracts attention. Nothing brings people together like a fire. On a chilly night, of course, I know, although the weather's been rather cool these days, but in a a winter night, 
People love to just, you know, uh, 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 come together around a, a campfire or maybe a kitchen fire. They just, they just love to cozy up to that warm fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Then again, if a house, house catches on fire, the whole neighborhood will come and watch it burn. House, uh, my neighbor's house, the upper floor, caught on fire a couple of years ago. And it was so interesting. People, I didn't even know they lived in my colony. They're standing there watching this house burn. I mean, they just stand there, just look at it. I guess, you know, they don't have TV or something. Just watch a house burn down. Oh, look at that. You know, hallelujah. So here's the thing, a little tip for your ministry. If you want more people to come to your church, burn it down. What do I mean? I don't mean burn the building down, of course. What I mean is like, if you just start a Holy Ghost fire, people will come just to watch it burn. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And fire spreads. Fire continually seeks to ignite flammable materials. In the same way, the power of the Spirit is transferable. It spreads from person to person. Fire is always looking for flammable material. So some things don't burn. I don't think marble burns. It doesn't burn very well. It would have to be like thermal, thermal nuclear hot to burn marble. But, you know, it's, but some things burn real quickly. You know, paper, you know, dry wood. So be encouraged. If you're really dry today, well, dry wood makes the best kind of fire. <laughs> so I think some people, they easily catch on fire. The fire just passes to them easily. They, they're made of that flammable material. Some of you have like diesel inside of you. I mean, this is very flammable. So that means, you know, the, 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 the ministry of the Holy Spirit is largely dependent on us. What kind of substance we're made of. Hallelujah. And as fire spreads, it intensifies. It, it gets bigger. It gets brighter. So as the Spirit of God moves from place to Person to person, you know, place to place, that fire gets bigger. The easy to read version, again, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, the easy to read version says, Don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Very simple. Don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Holy Spirit is always working, but then sometimes Christians are their own worst enemy. They unwittingly are stopping the work that God wants to do in their lives. Don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Many Christians, especially like Pentecostal Christians, many Christians assume that if the Holy Spirit wants to do something, nothing can stop him. That's not true. That's not true. If that's true, if the Holy Spirit is going to do something regardless of what we do or don't do, then why would Paul write here, don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit? wouldn't be necessary to write that hallelujah so that means that revival does not happen just because it's been divinely ordained preordained that god has decreed it and that's it full stop and there's nothing you can do about it no that means the move of the holy spirit depends on us we have something to do with this amen praise the lord glory to god praise the lord amen then going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let's back up. I read verse 19, but let's back up to verse 16 to 18. Let me read these verses. It's real simple. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Then the next verse says, do not put out the flame of the Spirit. So verses 16 to 18 tell us how to start a fire. This is, this is how to start a fire. This is a recipe for revival. This is how the Spirit of God will begin to work. Hallelujah. Manifest himself. Hallelujah. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. So in other words, prayer and praise, especially in a church service, is not a preliminary, an unnecessary preliminary. Like we don't sing until all the latecomers show up and then we're ready to start. We don't sing just to kind of, you know, take up the time. We have to pray. We have to praise because it's essential to having the fire of God in our lives and in our midst. And these are things which we must do continually. Notice these words. Verse 16, always. Verse 17, without ceasing. Then again in verse 18, in all circumstances. Woo. These are things we must continually be doing. Continually. If you only praise God on Sunday morning, you're not going to have any fire. Sunday morning only Christians don't have much fire. You got to praise God at home, right? Hallelujah. You don't have to invite the drummer and the bass player and the electric guitarist and the singers and, and the sound man and the video people. You don't, you don't have to have that. It can just be you. It should be. There, there should be lots of times, really the best worship services should be in your bedroom. The best worship services should be in your bedroom. And by the way, if you can't worship God in your bedroom, you'll never do it up here. Oh, you might sing or play, but you won't worship. It's true. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And notice it says, pray without ceasing. In the Greek language, this means without intermission. Without intermission. See, nobody expects you to pray while you sleep. You know, no, no one expects you to do that. If, if you can learn how to do that, well, God bless you. But nobody expects you to pray while you're chewing your food. Lord, I just ask you to help me, bless me. No, no, don't, I, no, don't talk while you have food in your mouth, right? Uh, or while you're brushing your teeth. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to bless. I, no one expects you like to do like that. But the idea in this verse is never take a break from prayer. You may take a day off from work, but don't have a prayer holiday. I think some Christians, I've seen them in church, and they kind of like take a vacation from God. Uh, we're going to just kind of lay low for a couple of weeks and kind of just, you know, just we got a lot of things. We're just going to take a break. We're going to take a break. Which is a nice way of saying, we're going to backslide. <laughs> no, 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 don't ever take a prayer holiday. Amen. Now, one Old Testament word for prayer comes from another word, the meaning of which is to breathe. 
One Old Testament word for prayer is rooted in another Hebrew word that means to breathe. So prayer is not a luxury, it's a necessity. Prayer is as essential to Christian living as breathing is to every other kind of living. Well, I'm going to take a break from breathing. <laughs> I hope you have a will. <laughs> right? You, 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 you breathe. It, it, it's a, you, don't, you, don't, you don't say, you don't say um, let's all come together and uh, this evening I'm going to breathe. No, no, we, we do it all the time. It's, just, it's, it's natural. It just, it just, it just, we do it all day long, all the time. That's how our prayers should be. It's not enough for you to have a prayer meeting. You need a prayer life. It would be better for, for, for a Christian to pray every day, even if it's just a few minutes or, or on and off throughout the whole day. Better to pray like that than to not pray a lick and then one week out of the year, climb Mount Saramati and go to a prayer center and fast and pray for that one week. That would be like me saying, okay, I'm not going to breathe the whole year, but on that one week I'm going to breathe. No, you won't, you won't make it to that week. You'll be dead before that time comes. Amen? How, somebody take a deep, deep breath right now. <gasps> I think it is safe to say there has never been a revival in the history of the church that was not birthed in prayer. I don't think it is a coincidence. I don't think it's immaterial that before the day of Pentecost come, came, those early believers were assembled in prayer. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. That means they continued in prayer. And they were serious about it. It's not in my notes from the projector, but here's the Passion Translation. It says, all of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. So that means this was not some casual little thing like, oh, come on, Peter, John, oh, time for prayer. Oh, Lord, we ask you to bless us today. Be with us as we fall asleep. No, no. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my told to keep. No, no. They were, they were praying earnestly, passionately. Amen. And so in the book of Acts, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, there's a spiritual progression that takes place. In Acts chapter 1, they're in prayer. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit filled them and the fire fell. In Acts chapter 3, miracles occurred. The lame man was healed. So all of us want the miracles. All of us want the fire. But not everybody wants the prayer. So you got to go to Acts 1, then you're ready for Acts 2, and then you're ready for Acts 3. There's like, a, there's like a natural progression there that we can see in their lives, and I think you'll see the same thing in your life. So notice again that 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17 tell us we are instructed to rejoice. And give thanks. Rejoice every Sunday. No, always. Rejoice when you feel like it. No, always. Give thanks. And everything give thanks. Not for everything. I can't thank God for everything. Yay, my father has cancer. Yay, praise God. No, but in, in every situation, I can thank God. Not every situation is the will of God. But 
it is always the will of God that you give thanks, that you be grateful and praise him. Hallelujah. So you can't complain and give thanks at the same time. Have you noticed that? You can't complain and give thanks at the same time. I mean, I guess you can try it. Nothing in my life. Praise the Lord. Is where I just, uh, God bless you. Oh, praise the Lord. It just, it, just, it just doesn't work. Amen? You can't be depressed and rejoice at the same time. You can't be depressed. And, uh, glory, glory, hallelujah. You know, you just can't, you just can't do it, you know. <laughs> it, you'll go one way or the other, but you can't just stay like that in the middle. Hallelujah. So these activities, prayer and praise, not only change our attitude, they change our trajectory. The way we go, whether we're going up or down. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and you can sit there and look so cute, but you know, you got to be a doer of the word. Be ye doers of the word and not posters online only. <laughs> Amen. I know that. I know that. Yeah, but Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And the Greek word for rejoice in this verse is kariro, swallowing, kariro, whatever, who cares? <laughs> and this word means to cheer, to cheer. That's what the word means. The word rejoice in Greek means to cheer. Well, okay, so like in, in, in sporting events, you know, people in the, in the, in the arena, you know, in, in the grand sense, they cheer. You know, their team. Yay. <sighs> Yay. They cheer. They don't just sit there like a bunch of Presbyterians and go. <laughs> recite the doxology, the Apostles' Creed. No, they cheer. Amen. Then, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I think maybe like I've seen this like in they have professional cricket now, you know, they've had it. And so they, some of those teams, they have like professional cheerleaders. I think they're usually women. and Maybe men too, I don't know. Some, some folks are a little bit confused about that in around here anyways. But uh, they, no, I'm just kidding. They, they have cheerleaders. So they're like, you know, yay. Hey. Obviously, that's not me. But they're like, yay. And yay, go team. Yay. Huh? See, when I was in high school, you know, we had like, you know, basketball team and, you know, football was like American rugby, you know, and that type of thing. And, and they would always be cheerleaders and they would do these little, these like taunts, you know, we got spirit, we got power, we got, we're going to win. How about you? You know, and they, you know, they, and they, they, you know, they were cheering on the team. And what happens is that inspires the players to do a little better, Right. So here's a guy, you know, with the ball or basketball or something, and they're cheering, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, it just, just helps him. That's why they don't pick some girls. They're saying, like, loser, you're terrible. I'm embarrassed. Get him off the court. Get him off the court. You know, they, they, people don't respond to, to that type of thing. So when we are praising God, Hallelujah. When we rejoice in the Lord, the spirit works better. We're cheering. We're cheering. Hallelujah. The spirit can work better. One reason the spirit of God is hindered from doing all he wants to do is there isn't enough cheer in the congregation. 
I said, one reason the Spirit of God is hindered from doing all he wants to do, there just isn't enough cheer in the congregation. Hallelujah. There is no response. There are too many onlookers who have minimal involvement in what God's doing. You know, you know they're singing glory, glory, hallelujah, and you're just kind of kind of looking down your long nose. Huh? Huh? See, too many people are cool and nonchalant. You know. Listen, nobody asked you to be cool. Nowhere does the scripture say, be thou cool, even as I am cool, saith the Lord. The Bible doesn't say that. (laughs) Amen, kind of like you're posing for a magazine cover. We we ain't looking at you. We didn't come here to look at you. (laughs) You got to get over yourself. Some people are too impressed with themselves. You got to get over yourself. Did you come here to meet God or girls? Well, you got to get over yourself. <laughs> come on. That's, I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah. And, and, and notice Paul didn't say, rejoice always if you're a student. And every give, everything give thanks if you're a young person. But if you're married with children, we understand you're going to be grumpy. <laughs> no, 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 but he's, nobody's excluded from this. We all should be cheering on the work of God. We all should be praising the Lord. We all should be rejoicing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I know it's easy to criticize people who get into just emotionalism. They just want to cry to be crying. You know, <laughs> You know, they, just, they just want to slobber all over themselves just because it's a habit for them, you know, or some churches. Or I know it's easy to kind of maybe make light of this kind of stereotypical Pentecostal-type meeting, you know. And maybe some people get carried away in the flesh or just blindly follow some kind of a religious pattern. But, you know, don't think anything about that. We need to rejoice. And we need to cheer because it's the right thing to do. It's biblical to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I can testify, as can any preacher or any worship team, that when people are enthusiastic, the anointing is stronger. When you feel like you're, you're singing to a painting, a photograph... Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. You don't feel any anointing. You feel the annoying, but you don't feel any anointing. Right? Amen. But when people are enthusiastic and they respond enthusiastically, I'm telling you, that it's not just like that the guy that's singing or the guy that's preaching personally feels better. There's something else going on here. The Spirit of God is moving. He responds because he responds to praise. Not, not praising people, not, not praising performers, praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So again, our text says, do not quench the spirit. The Holy Spirit manifests himself through people 
who cooperate with him. The Holy Spirit manifests himself through people who cooperate with him. In other words, a lot of times we have this idea, we talk about the presence of God as if like God just mysteriously lives in the balcony and for, for whatever reason he might just fly by or something. No, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. We bring the presence of God to this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So in other words, instead of quenching the spirit, make sure that you yield to the spirit. I said, instead of quenching the spirit, make sure you yield to the spirit. Now, the English word yield, Y-I-E-L-D, means to surrender. Yield, surrender. To give in. Yielding means to respond to the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. To act when he prompts you. Amen? If you feel an urge within you, I'm talking about in your spirit, or you sense in your heart that you should do a certain thing or not do a certain thing, maybe you can't explain it, but you know it's right. You know on the inside, then go ahead. That's responding to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah? Amen? Hmm. We all know what it means to yield to temptation. Or is it just I alone today? Right? Something's pulling on you on the flesh. Some things just seem to be pulling. Go ahead and do that. You know, go ahead and say that. Whatever it is. And you know what's wrong. And you're like, and finally you go, all right, I'll do it. That's yielding to the flesh. That's yielding to sin. Well, let's go to the other side. Yield to the Holy Spirit. See, we should resist the devil, but we should submit to God. We should not co- cooperate with the enemy, but we should cooperate with, this, with the Holy Spirit. Give in. Yield to that prompting. Amen. Hallelujah. At times, the prompting of the Holy Spirit can be like a gentle whisper in your heart. Just something, just something there. But at times, it can be much stronger than that. Hallelujah. Yielding means to respond to his leading, to move in that direction. So if you're prompted to pray, pray. If you're prompted to speak, speak. If you're prompted to shout, shout. To run, run. To dance, dance. Whatever it is. I'm not suggesting that we do things simply because it's expected of us by others or because we just want to do it, you know, in the natural I mean we should respond to the Holy Spirit. When we yield to the Spirit by responding to Him, the fire burns brighter. That fire burns brighter. The anointing increases. God's presence seems thicker, heavier, and there's greater blessing and greater peace. But when we do not respond then it's like the anointing dissipates. That prompting that we had, it just kind of fades away and we're left confused and feeling kind of cheated or dry. The most common way that, listen carefully, the most common way that Christians quench the Spirit is not by actively resisting the Holy Spirit, but by doing nothing. The most common way that Christians 
quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's not by actively resisting him. I mean, there are some cases when that happens, but that's, especially in our circles, that's very rare. The most common way that Christians quench the Spirit is by doing nothing, by not responding to him. Hallelujah. It's better to respond, even if you're not 100% sure because you never will be 100% sure. It's better to respond, even if you're a little bit off, that's okay, God can work with you, than to just be still, cute and smug, and dead. You know, some of you, aren't you tired of being a spectator? Aren't you tired of being an onlooker? God didn't call you just to watch others get blessed. He called you to get in the game. He called you to to experience more of him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the day of Pentecost, the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit didn't force them. He didn't slap them, grab their tongue, and pull it out of their head. They had a prompting. They had an urging. And they yielded. They responded. They began to speak. Hallelujah. When they responded, the river flows. That's how we prophesy. That's how gifts of the Spirit are manifested through us. Romans 12, 6 says that we should prophesy in proportion to your faith. See, it takes faith to respond to the Spirit. That's why some people never experience very much of the anointing. They just don't have the courage to step out. Hmm? Are you listening to me? The opposite of faith is fear. And what is shyness? The fear of man. So if you're shy, you're dry. But if you let go, you'll flow. Glory to God. Amen. Some Christians are worried about fanaticism and wildfire. But I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all. If people are sincere and they get a little bit off, we can correct them. We can get them back on course. But I'd rather have a little confusion, a little bit of confusion with people who are sincere and hungry and moving with God. We can, we can give correction. We can help them than people who have all of the order of a cemetery. Every tombstone is perfectly lined up and it's dead. In other words... If God has his way, sometimes it gets a little messy. It's not disorderly. It's not confusion. It's not crazy. But sometimes it's a little bit messy. When you go home, your hair may be messy. Oh, heaven forbid. But you'll survive. You're sitting there. You're you're too busy looking cool. You'll survive. Amen. Hallelujah. Some people do respond the wrong way. Some people feel the spirit and they scream. Ah! Blood-curdling scream. They shriek in an unedifying way. They weep and wail. They have candles coming down. They, they do things that don't bless us and they grieve the Spirit of God. We're not talking about that. Respond the right way. Respond the right way to the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now listen, don't intentionally work yourself up to, into an emotional frenzy. I told you students, you know, I went to one church and and they prayed and then they kind of sang and that's all fine and well, okay, good and everything. And then there was like, it's always two women, you know. They start like, you know, like like they're going to have a baby. You know, what is all that? And they went on and on and on and on and it was just grieving. It just wasn't blessing at all. Don't, Don't do that. 
Don't, don't, don't short-circuit the power of God. Respond the right way. Hallelujah. Just because you feel a prompting, don't, don't go bananas. Amen? Just flow with the Spirit of God. How can I do that? Well, Jesus compared the Holy Spirit to wind. The thing about the wind is it, always doesn't, it doesn't always blow in the same direction. You know, today it's kind of, there's a gentle breeze kind of coming from the north or something. And then, and then tomorrow it kind of seems a stronger breeze coming from the south. It's not always the same. It changes throughout the day. So which way is the wind blowing? Go with it. One mistake many Christians make is they've just decided this is the way we're going to go and nobody's going to stop us. We've decided it's going to be this way. And so they're kind of like walking upstream. They're like going against the wind. No, don't, just let, don't lead God's spirit. Be led by God's spirit. You're not the leader. I'm not the leader. He's the leader. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when you follow him, praise God, then supernatural things will happen in your life. You'll be blessed. He can minister to you. He can use you to bless others. Let's all stand up to our feet.